My name is Matt Brown. Attention campers, lunch has been canceled today due to lack of hustles. Deal with it. And let's start the show. I will not apologize for who I am. Right on, right on. I will not apologize for what I need. I will not apologize for what I want. Okay. I go to your blue booklets right now. I want you to turn to page 18 and your blue booklets. Nice to have you with us, folks, in the Productive Conversations podcast. I am your host, Matt Brown, and I hope you're all wonderful during this holiday season as we're in the final week of December on this Monday, December 28th, 2020. Happy birthday to my buddy, Ryan Bagdickian. I hope it is a wonderful day for you, my friend. Everybody had a great Christmas and Christmas Eve. Oh man, that those first few days you have the post Christmas blues, but you know what? I hope everybody enjoyed their Christmas, that they were safe, that they did the right thing and were responsible. And don't worry guys, well we got three hundred and sixty one or sixty two days to go until Christmas and hopefully COVID is long gone until then. But Mary I hope everybody had a Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you all. I hope everybody is doing dandy. Happy Kwanzaa to all my listeners who celebrate. Oh, by the way, you're the best listeners and fans in the world. And I just wanted to point that out again because I can't talk about you guys enough. Seriously. So, on this, the second to last episode of 2020, my birthday is in three days, guys. So, let's go with that. And I will have a special show for it on the 31st of December this Thursday. And yeah, 2020 is just about at its end. It's been something else, hasn't it? But hey, thank God that we are here. Thank God we made it this far. And as we continue to fight against coronavirus and the vaccine is starting to really make its mark to end this virus, and us again, Thank all our healthcare workers. Thank all our frontline healthcare workers. Thank you to all the amazing scientists who helped develop this vaccine. And I hope that in a few months' time, that we're at least starting to end the spread and we slowly can get back to normal. We could do this. Let's keep fighting. We can do this. But besides that, today's Monday. December 28th, and I have a really, really great guest today. He is a good friend from my high school. He is so interesting, so compelling, and a really, really good dude. And when he asked me to, if he could join the podcast, I had a big smile on my face. And the podcast we had together was really, really great. So I figured, why not post him today on this, the second to last episode of 2020. And seriously, I'm such a big fan of this guy. So his name is Rob Duncan, now living in the great state of Michigan. And this was a great podcast to catch up, learn more about each other, and have some insight. 
that both the two of us enjoyed and I know the listeners will enjoy. So with all of that, Rob Duncan, it's your turn. Let's start this show. Nice to have you with us, folks, because we have one of the most interesting people I have truly ever met in my life. We go back as far as high school. Somebody I've been a fan of forever. I'm very fortunate the show has brought us together back in touch. And now I can show off how interesting my great old friend is in this world. But with that, I like to welcome my guest here on the Productive Conversations podcast. This is Rob Duncan. Rob, what's going on, buddy? Oh, man, you really hyped me up there. <laughs> hey, man, you deserve the hype. And as we go back, as our freshman year of math, and I'm <laughs> um, in the band together. And um, seriously, Rob, you're one of my favorite people I ever went to high school with. I genuinely, genuinely mean that. Thank and, you. Um, some of this Norwalk folks, uh, as you know, now you've told me right before you're actually now in the Midwest. You have left Connecticut and now are in the great state of Michigan. That's correct. That is correct. All right. All right. And um, for some of the still us East Coast folks, I have hello messages from Connor Mulford and Ryan Page. They say hello. Awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, man, why don't we go into that? Rob, how did you go from the East Coast of Connecticut in the tri-state area to Michigan the great with the Great Lakes and stuff like that? Yeah, so I had just uh, graduated college and I was back home with uh, my parents and trying to figure life out as it goes. And I was, this is going to be your your classic uh, boring millennial love story, but I was looking for a romantic relationship with someone Mm -hmm. who shared, you know, the same faith as me. I'm a Christian. And so I, I don't even remember the name of the app but it was some Christian dating app and I set the distance like max to like 75 miles or something. And next thing I know, I'm talking, I'm talking to this girl and she lives in Wisconsin. I'm like, okay, something didn't go right here, but we (laughs) hit it off. And next thing I know I'm visiting and Christmas. And then I decided to, to make the move. How about that? Wow, that is that is quite a millennial story. Congratulations. <laughs> and um, you guys recently got married, right? Yeah, back in um, September 2019. All right. Congratulations with that. A little year and change. I'm sure it's been a quite an interesting time to be newlyweds. The very, yeah, <laughs> six, well, what, I guess, September, March, six months in, and then the world completely turns upside down. How, how about that, huh? And, yeah, we, um, we beat the virus by... By half a year. <laughs> <laughs> but I think this is great with your conversation that you're telling us that these dating apps really do work if we find the right person. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, like I've talked before, when come when anytime I've talked to him about dating and relationships, I feel whatever's meant to be will happen. And you clearly proved the point right here. <laughs> so thanks for showing that. How's um yeah. On, a, on that point, I feel like our, our culture in general tends to really like romanticize and worship those kinds of relationships. Yeah. And Tell me, yeah, elaborate on that. <laughs> obviously, you know, it's kind of wired in us to, to desire, you know, that person to, 
mm-hmm. you know, fall in love with, live life with, dream with. And those are all good things. But I think what often gets overlooked is in searching for those relationships, we forget about ourselves. Frap, amen to that. I mean, I love being married. I love my wife. But it can be a really tough mirror sometimes. Really, I'm sure there's a lot of, uh, you know, without not without getting too personal, what what are you some of the things you have recently learned now as a married man, compared to a uh, non-married man, to a young boy, to a married man? <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a good question. I think the biggest thing is, you know, your weaknesses affect that person so much. Really. Um, I mean, a big one that I've been working on and struggling with is just communication, Um, not being good at communication, not receiving things well, not almost uh, being like fearful of those conversations that force me to adjust. Yeah. All right. Well, and you know, with that, um, all those adjustments have, do you feel that you know, sometimes time will be the thing that will help um, strengthen your bond. And I mean, you clearly love each other, as you said, and I'm sure, you know, it's a crazy time, especially you, as soon as you get married, the world goes in our way, our way. But I'm sure that all this stuff is only making you stronger as a human being in your relationship with your wife, I assume. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I, there's always, it's good to put people in your life who encourage self-awareness and growth. And I think I've definitely found that in my wife and many friendships besides the romantic one. But mm-hmm. Would you say that, though, as somebody who did find your, you know, you found your, you found your soulmate online and able to grow your relationship, would you say that for all those people, as you said before, maybe you are looking things a little too deeply, maybe taking the apps a little too seriously. Do you feel from this experience, you could say, Hey, just do your thing, live your life. And then the things will all just fall naturally together. To an extent. I mean, I think you, you have to go after what you want. Yeah. You have, you have to know what you want. And that's where that self-awareness really comes into play. You have to be able to set goals, which is actually, it's been a, a New Year's resolution of mine since last year to, and I have yet to succeed at it, but just figuring out a way to set goals for myself. Um, I lost the question. <laughs> I went on a little bit of a side tangent there. What was the question again? No, I was just, basically, I was just saying for anybody who may, this point of their lives, maybe are very impatient. Maybe they take the apps to heart a little too seriously. As someone who clearly has a very successful love story from Thumb Online, do you think that, um, like you would say to people, just don't worry, it'll come together things i mean as you said like of course you have to put effort at the time i mean you can't just just sit there and then oh everyone's coming with me. but like as long as you I mean, are i guess i guess in short yeah because i mean when i started looking online i had never thought anything was going to come of it my attitude was literally if i get matches at least i unload people you know think i'm good on the surface and it <laughs> just would be like a little you know confidence booster um so my attitude was even if like nothing was going to come of this and 
next thing I know it did. So look at that, man. That's so inspiring and beautiful to hear. And thank you for sharing that with us. And um, now when I look at these apps myself, when at times I'm on and off those apps and whatever, I will remember, hey, if we work for Rob... <laughs> It works for me. You're a good looking guy, dude. You don't have anything to worry about. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. You do too. It's like I compete with your amazing facial hair, but thank you for that. One thing we were saying before, so you are in Michigan, in the Midwest. You um you grew up in Connecticut, right? Yeah. Tri-state area, New York Metro, Connecticut. So can you tell me some of the big differences between the tri-state area, Connecticut, to now northern Michigan? Yeah, I mean... So many differences. I wouldn't say, you know, culture shock level, um, but uh, do you know off the top of your head what the population of Norwalk is? I think we're around 80,000. 80,000? I think between 60 to 80,000, maybe even 100,000. The city I live in now has a population of 8,000. Oh, shit. There's colleges bigger than that. (laughs) So I think the biggest difference was just moving from that fast pace you know, everybody's a stranger kind of thing since there's so many people to this small town where I can't go to Walmart without running into somebody I know. I mean, sometimes like when COVID hit and I could wear a face mask in Walmart, I was like, heck yeah, people can't recognize me now. (laughs) But I always joke around, like I would like hide in the aisles if I saw somebody I knew because I just wanted, you know, you go to Walmart, you get in, get out. That's not really the mentality around here. And definitely. I've definitely grown, it's grown on me. I, I like the f- definitely more friendly environment. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, uh, yeah, there's just a more hospitality based culture, I think here. Mm. Where in, in, you know, the tri-state area, everything's fast paced. Um, right. You got pl- people to see places to go. Mm-hmm. And you're, you know, you're just going. Look at that! Now you you could, you don't need to go as fast as you need to. You could take the moments in um, as you grow yourself, pretty professionally. That's a, uh, the gist I'm giving, and that's really cool. How's the food out in Michigan? Is the food good? Is it different I, than here? I don't know if Mexi- Michigan is known <laughs> for a specific cuisine. Obviously, like New York's got known for its pizza and like Los Angeles is known for its Mexican food, Texas barbecue, yeah. stuff like that. Is Michigan associated with anything like that? Or is it just... Um, I guess like one thing that's here that's pretty big is this, these uh, things called pasties. Um, pasties they're they're kind of they're like little pies almost in almost the shape of my wife hates me when i compare them hates it when i compare it to like a calzone but it's kind of like Ooh. a calzone but more of like a pie crust and s- smaller and it's got potatoes oh, um goodness steak chicken it can have um peppers just various vegetables and that's probably like something that's that I'd never seen before moving here. Wow, I uh, just Googled it first when they thought I said pasties. We got a quite a different Google. Image, yeah, don't, don't Google the, that. <laughs> but uh, that when I put Michigan to it, um, wow, these do look excellent, like a beautiful empanadas. I might uh, yeah one day with the travel, and I hope we can get some soon. <laughs> this looks excellent. 
there's a lot of Italians in the area, so there's actually mm. really good pizza. Um, All so, right. So that makes compared to the pizza at home, or is it like a special style with it? Oh man, I I haven't had pizza in so long, like back east, that I can't even remember like where I used to go. Um, <laughs> I guess Colony I used to go to a lot in Stanford. Yeah, yeah. Did you know they have a colony in Norwalk now? That just opened up like a couple years ago, right? Yeah, yeah. It is relatively new. Okay. And also Norwalk, we got we put a mall there. I don't know if you know. There's now a mall right in the um. In almost right when you get off the exit going to South Norwalk. Exactly, big mall right there. It was it was a dirt pile for my entire life. Yep, yep. <laughs> it was there was a shortcut to the dump, but now um, they really talk about gentrification. They really, I kind of I like the mall. I think it's a nice little spot. And uh, that's right. Right before I left, they had all the like the steel framing up. Yeah, it's uh, it it, it is pretty cool. We got an Apple and I store think they, now. They finished the parking garage too right before I left. Uh, he that's some parking garage, and there's like there's some good food places like pinstripes is well known there's this new it's called yard house this like this chain going around the country you could get yard yard beers like as big as a yard stick it's um a fascinating time for for all of us right here in the east coast as we terribly missed you rob yeah i was i was supposed to be coming back for thanksgiving but then Mm. I mean, COVID just, yeah, I think, I think it might've been Ryan who said it on this path, on this podcast, on that uh, first episode he was on, mm. but he said something along the lines of, and maybe I've heard this somewhere else, but he said that COVID has really shook. Um, what did he say? He's really shook kind of like the foundations we live life on, like time, Easily. family, work. Yeah, how have you um, been managing things going on over these past nine months since COVID hit? Uh, it was interesting at first. Uh, I work as a, I'm training to become an electrician. So technically I'm considered like an essential worker. Yep. Um, so at first Thank we kept working and then uh, my boss's wife, uh, she, she's diabetic. So he was just trying to be extra careful. So I want to say two, three weeks into the whole thing, we took about a month, five weeks off. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we went back to work. And then recently I got like this, like overnight or like 24 hour bug or something. Mm -hmm. Um, But because of that, I had to go get tested. And by the time I got the results back, I missed another week of work. And then he just got sick. Um, he's pretty sure he had it, even though he tested negative. Did you um, test negative as well? I also tested negative. Good, um, good. But he tested negative, and he had pretty much all the symptoms, except he never lost, like, taste and smell. Yeah, um, that, it's been quite a scary just the way it knocked him out. But, yeah, I missed another week because of that. So it's just, like, work has been super undependable, that, which mm. obviously makes life a lot more stressful than it needs to be. Um, right. But yeah, we've been hanging in there. Um, definitely miss, uh, you know, gathering in big groups of friends. Definitely. Um, we have done it a few times, but just not as often as we would have. Yeah, man. I, I hear you there. It's just, 
all these days unpredictable. As we are recording this, though, the United Kingdom did give its first doses to the citizens, um, their citizens. Uh, obviously, they gave it to the elderly and more high risk. And, uh, yeah, I just hope, man, you know, we can have our conspiracies. We can have our debates about this. But at yeah. the end of the day, we just want this to be over. Mm-hmm. We just want it to be over. We can debate conspiracy theories go crazy be the be like the whole the the alex jones is in the world we can yeah. save that for this this is over we just gotta finish this and not be nervous to go out go out to get gas and go to the grocery store because we don't know what's going on you know I'm sure yeah. you the same way yeah and it's like people pretty much our age really like, you know we're just we're just starting out you know and that yeah. in and of itself is hard enough without all the yeah, craziness of this virus. So, for sure, and um, as many other people are trying to find our silver linings, I mean, we're doing this as a result of something the pandemic um, caused. This podcast, though, and I'm not going to say it was worth the COVID pandemic to have this happen because there's just been too much tragedy with it. But at least with everything going on that we get something out of this time, I was able to do something like this, get in touch with you, chop it up. Yeah. And uh, Heck, it was because of, because of COVID that I started listening to podcasts at all. I mean, it, really? I, before COVID, if I would have seen that, I'm, I might have checked out an episode, but I probably wouldn't have really gotten hooked like I did just because... I wasn't really podcasting before COVID. How, what are some of the shows that you have uh, been discovering with uh, um, in this time? Uh, there's a there's an electrician's podcast called Modern Electrician. All um, right, shout to Modern Electrician. Um, there's a backpacking podcast that I like to listen to called Back Backpacking in Blisters. Mm. Um, and then there's a. Uh, one called the Bible project and they kind of talk a lot about different various like theological topics and dig mm-hmm. into the history. And there's just a few of them <laughs> about that. So backpacking you, I know you are pre COVID and I'm sure post COVID you are, were a world traveler, right? You actually have backpacked at various places around the world, right? Uh, not, I wouldn't really say around the world, but at least uh, in the United States though. Yeah. Where can you tell tell me about that? Where have you uh, backpacked uh, and stuff? Where have you? Where are these great journeys and adventures you've <laughs> taken, Rob? There, there is a lot on my list of places I I would love to go. Um, but so far, I've gotten to do a lot of the White Mountains in New Hampshire and Maine. The White Mountains, um, the Adirondacks, which are in upstate New York. Oh yeah, um, very familiar. They have. 46 high peaks, which are all peaks that are higher than 4,000 feet elevation. Oh, my. I did in two two two-week trips. I did all 46 of them in two different summers. Wow. Um, What did it feel like, Rob, whether it was the White Mountains or the Adirondacks (laughs) and the other places you did? What did it feel when after all that grinding and hard work and and that physical toll, when you finally got on that mountain and you saw those incredible (laughs) views that only people on Instagram wish they were actually there to see? What was it like when you were literally on top of those mountains, Rob? I mean, it's it's refreshing. You, you know, you get up there and you see everything you worked for. And that, wow. that's definitely why the whole mountaintop analogy is so, you know, cliche and overused. But 
you really you, you work and you grind and you sweat and you get to the top and you're like you just take that first breath of air and no phone and no service too that must have been beautiful yeah yeah definitely the disconnecting is one of my favorite aspects of it um the most uh most exotic place i ever hiked was uh actually in um, I'm sorry. Do you mind repeating that? We got cut off for a second. The, mo- the oh, highest peak was what? The the most exotic place I've hiked was in Papua New Guinea. Papua New Guinea, and what yeah. was that like going over there, New Guinea? And that's right by you know that's an Asian country and stuff. What was that? Yeah, like? I mean, I I joked earlier about like moving to Michigan not quite being culture shock. Uh, mm-hmm. Over there was definitely um, just a culture shock. Uh, I mean, it's. The where I was was pretty, you know, third world country. Um, I was actually there with an organization called Ethnos 360, and they specialize in doing like humanitarian work. And they're, they're a Christian organization, so their main thing is they want to tell people about Jesus. Um, mm-hmm. But they do a lot of like they teach English as a second language. They teach math. They teach English. They get to kind of remote tribal peoples, and they try to provide you know education, healthcare, stuff like that. <laughs> and right. I spent uh, two weeks in one of those tribal locations, and I mean it was you know batch huts, chickens everywhere. Mm. Um, just very like farming culture, agricultural. Um, and one of the, the cultural shocks that I experienced was um, over there, you know, women do all the physical labor in, really? in the tribe I was in. Women do the physical labor and men do like the hard work, which is like thinking and planning. Mm-hmm. And so it's pretty normal to see like a woman <laughs> like walking with like a sack that must weigh 60 plus pounds um, while breastfeeding an infant with two toddlers hanging off of her legs. Oh man, that's why we love our women in this world and how and how much they contribute and can be heroes and help us out and put their team on the back. Shouts to all the women who do do that and put the team on their back when we need them, you know? Yeah. When you were there and you were amongst those tribes and and the indigenous people, did a lot of emotions come out? Where did you like rethink things about, you know, what it's like being in the first world country and then being here? I mean, you mentioned the culture shock, but what were some of the emotions that really that came out of you when you were there? Yeah, I think it's it's at the end of the day, people are people, and. Yeah there are so many people in this world that you don't even know exist. You know, they're not even on the radar. And yes, they, that's true. We can be very wrapped up in our own perspectives. You know, we're, we're the center of our universe a lot of the time. (laughs) And so, you know, it's so important to just step out of that and, and realize how, how different some people have it. And I think it's just a couple of things that are important is, you can perceive somebody as being worse off than you, but really like they're happier and they live a more fulfilled life. That's what I, that's what I really learned too, that 
really possessions are what you make of it. It's about your attitude, loving yourself, genuinely caring about the other people around you. And I think though, I know it's easier said than done, but I feel that I need at some point in my life, I need to go to another a third world country like that, really um, humble myself and, or whether third world country or just the impoverished, poverty stricken places, in the United States that need some help at anywhere in this whole country. I think, um, I think I need to do that. And not to sound preachy or pretentious. When I, say yeah. that. I really don't want to give that vibe off, but I think, um, Especially starting this podcast and talking with so many different people. And, you know, I've talked to so many people from other countries. And I really think, you know, without sounding pretentious, I really feel that I need to humble myself with stuff like this. And obviously yeah, and in the non-COVID world, I think that's something to really consider. And I mean, you know, shouting back out to the episode with Bladar. Yes, the I great Bladar. His advice he gave was travel see the world, see yeah. everything you can. And it sounds so simple, but at the end of the day, you only know what you know. Really? It is very much so. Like, you know me, I love my stories. I love my movies and um, love my TV. And as a writer, which I really identify myself as, I really need to see other parts of the world. So one, I can just write stories about it. Yeah. It really helps mold myself into a person. And I just, again, without sounding pretentious or just saying it because of the right thing to do. I, I genuinely believe that. And I will put my money where my mouth is at some point in the near future and people can hold me accountable, but I really want to experience a few days in the place of, um, in a place where I can be humbled, you know, whether that's a third world country, whether that is a, another place in the United States, I really, I really want to experience something like that and say, I did it too. Yeah, I think at, at the end of the day, it's, you know, the, the motivation is to love people better. Yeah. And I think, you know, I grew up, I got to go on like many, you know, short trips and like growing up, I went to Belize a few times and Ooh. did work at a church there where we helped build a church and, um, yeah, these were short tri- trips, like one week long each. But at the end of the day, the, the thought behind it, the motivation was to, to be helpful to someone else and to see something that would, you know, greatly impact your life. And that's what you really got out of that, huh? You really, it, it really must have put a wholesome and profound effect on you. Yeah. Are you, are you a fan of like Lord of the Rings by any chance? You know, um, I, I have been. I, I I recently got into the movie. I never watched the movies. Um, I only watched the first one. But as you know, when COVID hit, my plan was to hit all of the culturally significant movies that I haven't seen yet, which includes the Lord yeah. of the Rings trilogy <laughs> and then The Hobbit. So um, on my list of through the days, if you ever see my Instagram, it's whatever movie I'm watching. And I've seen the first Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. I thought it was quite an epic masterpiece. I'm yeah. really thrilled for the Twin Towers and um, and the, the Two Towers. The, the, sorry, excuse me. <laughs> Your New Yorkers coming out. <laughs> Rest in peace to the Twin Towers for real, and the Two Towers, and then the Return of the King. And yeah. I was 
very profound by it. You know, I really liked it a lot. I love the character development. I love the production design of of the very first one. Great Peter Jackson, insane battles and fantasy sequences. I, I think it's incredible. Yeah. So, so tell me. Uh, what do you think of the Lord of the Rings trilogy? Man, I, I had brought it up because I'm a. I grew up actually reading the books, and you know, I saw I saw the movies also because like my dad read the books, and he was super excited when those films were coming out. Um, and you know, I brought it up because I'm a, I'm a big Tolkien fan now. I've read a lot of his yeah. like, short stories and essays, and he has this, uh, I guess, like philosophy of what he calls the primary and secondary worlds, which yeah. is why he writes these epic adventure tales. Um, so in his mind, you know, your, your primary world is, you know, where you live, your, your apartment, your, your job, you know, your education, whatever. And the secondary world is anything you go to, to, in a sense, escape that primary world. Mm-hmm. But to come back to, you know, the, the goal is to come back to it. So it could be a good show you're watching. It could be your writing. It could be music. But if those things don't actually benefit your primary world, you know, what's the point in that journey? Oh, dude, that really affirms being a cinephile and, and loving pop <laughs> culture and stuff like that. Because, yes, we can get thing we can get something out of these th- these works of art these hobbies these activities we all can have it for the benefit as long as we choose it i mean even video games especially video games now are really have come a long way especially some of the storytelling yeah. and some of the uh, amazing graphics yes you could be one person who plays video games all day stay, get stoned get uh just go 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 and uh well, you can just play a video game, but sometimes you can also look at it as like a way to problem solve, use your hand-eye coordination. If you're some of these, there's some amazing writing in some of these games. You could just another way to experience a story. I think that's something yeah. that I get out of that. And I very much identify with that primary world and uh, the um, secondary world. Sometimes we do have to put ourselves out of the box to make us better, you know? Yeah. Ultimate escapes. I think... I think the key is not to, I guess, you know, make a feast out of that secondary world. You know, you don't want to, you know, overindulge to the point where you're actually not doing anything in your actual life. Yeah. Like you said, you could play video games all day and I sure love to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I could definitely sit in front of my computer for hours at a time. Oh, so many Saturdays I wish I could take back. what are some of those games you've um, been playing you playing any uh new recently did you get a new xbox the new xbox one series x or did you get a ps5 i I have not i have a a hand-me-down xbox one and uh, a couple games i can run on my computer so pcs like your thing oh definitely not my pc is just a standard laptop i can't run any games unfortunately it can't run any good games. I can run a few games on it. What are some um, of the games you've been playing, whether console or the PC? Or laptop, yeah, so I should say. I don't have a PlayStation 3 anymore, but I kept going back to a game called The Last of Us. Oh! That changed the game, The Last of Us. Um, that game, I personally haven't played it, but uh, tell me about it. Tell me about The Great Last of Us. 
I won't I won't give any spoilers just because well it would hurt me to spoil that game for somebody. Um, <laughs> but it it places your character in a post apocalyptic world where there's zombies. You know, kind of your your typical uh, people are obsessed with that genre right now. Um, but what it does differently, especially as a video game, is it it tells a story better yeah. than better than most video games, in my opinion, have ever done. Um, the characters, the voice acting is incredible. Um, a funny story about this game is I was actually playing it in a public space when I was in school. Okay. And I'm just playing this game, right? And next thing I know, I have a crowd of like 15 people watching 15. me play this game like it's a movie. Yeah, I've heard it's like pretty common for people to watch the cutscenes on YouTube and just watch it for fun. <laughs> I think uh, our, our mutual friend Ryan Page has done that. Um, and, I'm also guilty of that. <laughs> but I heard it's just incredible. I think people go as far as the best game in the last 25 years, game of the decade, some of the, the best game in the the original of this past gaming consoles and um i mean it it the plot is good um the gameplay is a little, little grindy it's because okay. the game it, it forces you to be slow it forces you to be methodical because it's just it's difficult you have to use every bit of the the world to your advantage um but there's insane character development um there's you know, just moral questions that you would never think to ask. And I actually, it's actually really relevant in today's context. Cause I mean, it's about a virus that takes over like humanity and turns them into wow. these like feral monsters. Granted COVID hopefully isn't doing that. Please don't. I know it's still 2020. Right. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> but I mean, the question it poses is, would you sacrifice mankind for someone you love? That's pretty. That's pretty. Uh, it's pretty deep, man. That's very uh, Walking Dead. Man, it's, huh? Yeah, it's like. I suppose that that question has probably been posed numerous times in various genres and mediums, but just the fact that a video game is able to effectively pose that question. Yeah, and I mean, not, I mean coming from Crash Bandicoot. <laughs> Freaking playing Mario and Tetris to a game making me ask that question to myself. <laughs> of course, and we definitely all love those games for different reasons. But that one really, um, that, I mean, that's that that got emotion out of us. That's the best part of any story. As long as the story can get you emotions, and people say whether it's here, whether it's yeah. here, and well, whether it's it's a, from the Mank movie, but emotions no matter where we get them from um that's what makes something honestly between good and bad and would you and you would say from all those reasons the plot the more the morals the uh the message it gives that's why the last of us has such a profound effect on everyone in pop cult and has a special place in pop culture yeah i've i've heard rumors of the of amazon making a show oh yeah that's about to say hbo has been um green HBO. hbo in fact will be doing a uh mini series on the last of us the great adam mckay of um known for vice and uh the big short also he directed anchorman and tile Dick nights and he is gonna be the head of he's gonna be one of the showrunners and with that too that you have you played the last of us two because I know that I, I don't have the system and 
I haven't I haven't touched it. I haven't I saw a couple people like everyone was pissed off about it. Yeah, I heard it was very <laughs> divisive and very polarizing. And so I I haven't really touched it. Do you think you will eventually someday? Just to see where where, where they go? Or are you gonna let um your your opinion with The Last of Us not get changed with a sequel? I mean I, I think I just risk need with all sequels. I need The Last of Us to be a pure memory for me. <laughs> I hear that. Man. I cannot have that defiled. Man, I mean one, I mean, as you said, once you had The Last of Us where you have fifteen people watching it as they're assuming, What show is this? It's my video. And you know, being that I like I'll watch like YouTube like random video game stuff and things I'm looking for on YouTube. And so I, I just remember everyone was freaking out and I was just avoiding these titles of these YouTube videos. And like yeah. one of them was like, I would describe the last of us two as a suffer fest with no end. <laughs> I was that like, that was the title, huh? <laughs> that was the title. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to stay away from the game. I, I don't, Mm-hmm. Number one, I, I can't justify buying a PlayStation 4 to play this game. <laughs> the sequels are something else, man. But uh, yeah. I am really looking forward to Cyberpunk 2077. Cyberpunk 2077. Um, that's a upcoming... I'm sorry, I'm not familiar with that. What is... Have you is, heard of CD Projekt Red? CD Projekt Red. Um, I'm afraid I haven't, but it they're, sounds incredible. They're and a small... A, gaming developing company game developer i don't know what, what the term would be for it um mm-hmm. but they've up to this point they've only made the witcher series oh okay great and then the witcher series is has been a huge hit for video games and also obviously a very big netflix show yeah the, the show is the show is interesting um yeah i've heard some th- good things about it and i, I see think- from uh, i'm sorry um you were saying yeah, I just like the the games are just at the bar for like the fantasy world gaming, in my opinion. Um, and so, just the the depth of story that they tell, I I don't know that the Witchers, the Netflix Witcher series, has yet to do it justice. But mm-hmm. I know they're coming up with another season, so I I mean I will watch it. I love the Witcher, so yeah, it, the, we have seen it's been very difficult for video game adaptions to be good. We've seen some terrible ones, Assassin's Creed, Super Mario, <laughs> but maybe we're starting to come around. The Sonic the Hedgehog movie wasn't that bad, and um, obviously the Witcher has um, made big strides. But um, about there was si- a Mario movie, yeah, it's pretty shit. John Leguizamo and uh, Bob Hoskins and well, that should have just been animated. It's live action. Early, I think it's early nineties. And wow, how have I not seen this? At least just to make fun of it. It is worth the if you want to have something to make fun of. I encourage it. But do, about do you ever watch films to just make fun of them? Like you know they're bad. Like like Room. I do actually. I um I think it's important. If you're really into movies and TV to watch the bad stuff too, because it helps your brain. If you take amazing things, your brain can only take so much. Sometimes you just need to watch a horrible movie just to laugh, not to take too much into it. Um, And uh, I do, I will take the time and effort to watch bad movies purposely (laughs) just, just to see what not to do and just enjoy their way to tell an interesting story but tell me some of your favorite bad movies you mentioned the room with the great tommy wiseau i mean that's one of the most quotable movies ever and i mean that movie is just an enigma to me because it really just exists out of a culture 
of this movie is trash. Let's make fun of it together. Oh, yeah. That's a genuine activity you could do. Um, <laughs> I mean, there's drinking. You can look up drinking games online. Like, <laughs> I mean, look at um, some of the absurd things in that movie. There, we, we see Tommy and his wife. Does anyone <laughs> notice he, he, they serve each other vodka mixed with, was it? I think it's vodka mixed with, vodka mixed with scotch. Straight. I never noticed that. And I'm like, that's extremely dangerous. We obviously know the million plot holes that fall, that random drug dealer that is never mentioned again. <laughs> the uh, mom mentioning she has breast cancer. I mean, geez. But, and I, I think uh, my, my favorite bad movie, oh man, I don't even know if it can, is considered a feature length film because I'm pretty sure it's only 45 minutes. But Kung Fury. Kung Fury. <laughs> Have you heard of this? I th- let me Google it. I think I think I. Okay, no, this I thought it was something else. But shoot, with the great David Hasselhoff, I see. So the <laughs> the premise is that the main character is a police officer who like is amazing at kung fu, mm-hmm. and he's. He's supposed to be like the chosen one called like Kung Fury. And somehow, <laughs> so there's there's a Triceratop who's like part man, part Triceratops. Interesting. There's Hacker Man who literally has like, you know, like a, a, a keytar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he has like a keytar, but it's like a computer. There's, like, time travel that happens, and somehow, like, the main bad guy is Hitler, who wants to be Kung Fury. (laughs) And so Kung Fury has to go back in time to defeat Hitler before he can become Kung Fury. Well, um, sometimes people put the passion in passion project, so, well, then, that is a... uh... That it's, is quite yeah, the film. But hey, sometimes, you know, at the movie, at the end of the day, is supposed to entertain you, whether it's good or bad. And hey, if it entertains you, why not? Are there any other, like, really bad movies that you enjoy? I mean, of I course, like a lot. there's a Sharknado. Sharknado. <laughs> I like a lot of Adam Sandler bad movies, you know. Like, uh, I'll watch bad Adam Sandler movies just to point out things like... What would be your example of a bad Adam Sandler movie? I would say Jack and Jill. It's quite atrocious. I've never seen it. (laughs) I would say... So these are bad Adam Sandler movies. You know, this is going to be a hot take, but I didn't really like Click. I don't think that's that good of a movie. I think it's a little too campy for me. I think it has a nice message about caring about family and stuff, but I think there's just some corny, not funny things in it. I think... I'd uh, say I, I agree with that. <laughs> I think... Uh, <laughs> I think The Benchwarmers isn't a good movie, but I, I will watch that all the time. And that's a... Somehow I've never seen that. Oh, man. It's it's fun. Sometimes there's just movies just to for, to movie and enjoy. But I do like a lot of other good Sandler movies. I think Happy Gilmore's good. I think critics wouldn't yeah. like Billy Madison, but I think it's good. I beg The Wedding Singer. Wedding Singer's actually really good. Really good. Uh, the Longest Yard's not really that good of a movie, but I really like a, The Longest Yard, the remake. 
I wouldn't consider that a good movie. Okay. And uh, yeah, those are some bad out of Slayer movies <laughs> that I will enjoy, but have you don't get seen too um, into it? Shoot, I'm blanking on the name of it. You can remember it's a, it. It's a Paul Thomas Anderson film. Punch Drug Love. Punch Drunk Love. I just think that's a great movie. I think I Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler's really good in that. I'd really, like to really see him in, in more like serious roles. Yeah, and he clearly he's capable of it. Uh, I, have you seen Uncut Gems? Never heard that before. Sorry, what? Have you seen Uncut Gems? I haven't seen that yet. Really? Well, I think it's on Netflix, and that's an I've, incredible role that I've he did. I've been hearing about it. I, I think I kind of will let it get cold, so it hasn't been, you know, how mm-hmm. Netflix will, like, showcase its things. Right. It's not right. being showcased anymore, but I have heard that I need to see it. It's, it's incredible work. Um, and you mentioned Paul Thomas Anderson really quick. You like Paul Thomas Anderson films? Good old. PTA. Oh, you're about to you're about to really get me going. <laughs> he tell, is tell me my, about the great Paul Thomas Anderson. He is my absolute favorite director. Why is that? Why is Paul Thomas Anderson your favorite director, Robert? In one word, character. Character. He knows how to throw you into anything any situation and make you care about a character and bring that that. character somewhere. Whether good or bad. Whether good or bad. (laughs) I mean, Daniel Day-Lewis in um, There Will Be Blood. What do you think that movie is about, There Will Be Blood, Rob? Is it a nice movie on capitalism? I mean, on, on one hand, yeah, it's a movie about capitalism. It's about sacrificing family for money. Greed. But on the other hand, it's about searching for family. Yeah, searching for yourself. Um, what, do you think that... Um, I, I think I think when I watch that and you see like turn of the century and the oil men and just his badass voice and stuff and he really is a scumbag. I mean, yeah. Unredeeming. He's not. A, I wouldn't even consider him an anti-hero. He's just a fucking asshole. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, he. We yeah, see his was, motives on why he's doing that and taking advantage of the of those times. You know. Yeah, and I think his character is he's really able to control the situations he's in with his words, with his voice. Right. And so that's where you see the breakdown between him and his son when his son loses his sense of hearing. Yep. Um, and that's where that, sorry, this is major spoiler alert. <laughs> yes, yes. But spoiler alerts. In our that's where alert. like you really do see how, I mean, evil this man is as yeah. soon as he loses his ability to to control somebody he yeah, doesn't he know what to do with that person his the center of his relationships is control what he can get people to do for him what he can convince people to sell him um yeah <laughs> yeah and then he he can't he lost his ability for that control and he's useless and uh as we see eventually his downfall and as you said, the famous I drink your milkshake about another person. And um, like, as you mentioned, that selfishness, that capitalism, that they will just take it, will take the uh, will take the low person, maybe go as far as to kill them, and whether literally or figuratively. 
Yeah. Nothing else. Can I name you just a couple of other um, Paul Thomas Anderson movies and you just tell me your initial thoughts on them? Sure. You seen Boogie Nights? Yes. Um, what do you think of Boogie Nights? In one sentence, that film had me at the opening scene. It's just this epic... Um, What's the term for it? One shot? shot Long shot. The shot shot is just moving. It's a long shot and it's continuous. And that shot, that shot almost didn't make it in the movie. That would that that would fuck the whole flow of it up. It shows Uh the world we're about to join in for the next two and a half hours. I I think, overall, that movie is, it kind of has the content that I, I tend to try to avoid that I don't mm-hmm. want to necessarily, you know, be um, exposing myself to all the time. You know, there's a lot of nudity, drug use, yep. um, stuff like that. But it's a movie overall, on sex. I think, uh, <laughs> I think it's another one, which tends to be a big theme in a lot of PTA's films. It's, you know, that search for family. Yeah. I mean, Mark Wahlberg's character, John C. Riley, who's amazing in that film. Very, I mean, very both much of them, so are just prime examples of two characters looking for belonging. Um, we, we see the Julianne Moore character who is plays the mother figure to all these people in a quite a taboo, controversial industry. Yeah. And yet this, among all this, they can still have that family bond with it. Why do you think he chose to... Or like, what do you think the significance of those characters being in the porn industry is? Because I mean, it's PTA that was done intentionally. For sure, he could have I, told that story in a deli. Mm-hmm. You know, I, th- I think his again. I used to I didn't know the literal answer and why he wrote it that way. But I just it's just blanking it. But I think at the end of the day. He, and again, not to just um, repeat your point, but it is very much true that even in such a crazy taboo world, even in such a as controversial as you can get and in a time where things were peaking and being good in the late 70s, I think there were so many lost souls together almost like an island of misfit toys and there's one thing that will really castrate you that will put you to the side as we saw julianne moore's character um in that course case literally lost her daughter because of the industry she is she had nowhere else to go except this very very weird thing known as adult of no worry known as a Excuse me. She went to out to this real world known as pornography, and that was the only place to go. So, if you're in a place where, you know, no one accepts you, can you go and accept and be part of a world where people will, even if the outside world may not like or understand, and you will still get judged for it? Like we saw the Heather Graham with those frat bros. They wound up in the very hard scene to watch. They were abusing her simply because she wouldn't um go to their demand sexually. She was just throwing it to the side of the road. And who's the one person to pick her up? It's the porn director. So I think that's the message of it, that even in the most absurd things, you can still find a sense of community. So I think that's why PTA wrote this yeah, character. Dude, in there. Yeah, I never thought of it that way. That's That's really good. Yeah, so what a film that is. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> Lucky nights. How about Magnolia? How do you like Magnolia? <laughs> Another one of uh, John C. Riley's epic performances. How about Tom Cruise I, in that? Tom Cruise. I 
I have a tendency to just crap on Tom Cruise whenever his name comes up, <laughs> but he kills it in Magnolia. Should have won the Oscar. He did the most un Tom Cruise role ever. And was he was he nominated for it? That he year? was nominated, but he didn't win for some well, stupid that you do, Would you know off the top of your head? Off the top of my head, certain years I do. Do you mind if I check really quick? Go for it. I'm curious. <laughs> so that movie came out in 2006. <laughs> the movie came out in 1999. Oh, I was way off. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, no worries. So he was nominated for Best Supporting Actor. And his fellow nominees were Michael Clark Duncan, The Green Mile, Jude Law, and The Talented Mr. Ripley, Haley Joel Osment in The Sixth Sense. And the winner is Sir the Great Michael Klein in The Cider House Rules, which is really good. And he is really good in it, but I just... I mean, hearing the names he was nominated against... Hearing the names he was nominated against, he didn't really seem to have a chance. True, true. But I think for what... for At the end of the day, the best actor should go to who transformed themselves in the best. And at the end of the day, it is all opinion-based. It's not literal. You're not... I mean, you might win best actor by you, the literally... I mean, that's up to the opinion. So I think for what Tom Cruise, known as the mostly for action stars, mostly, you know, <laughs> yeah. the 80s, I think him showing legitimate acting chops, having insane monologues. And being just completely the fact different. that he was nominated next to those names, that must, I wonder if that, that must have been a huge compliment to him. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We've seen the Academy doesn't nominate just anyone. but So yeah. I think he earned it. And, well, I think uh, we'll see maybe in some other day if he can earn it. He's still actually – it's crazy how – I mean, I know he's quote-unquote old, but he's been in Hollywood forever. Yeah. You know, he can still now go into those more mature roles. So we'll see. And I think this just shows that – Tom Cruise has legitimate acting chops and someone like oh, Paul Thomas sure. Anderson gets it out of him and he got it out of Adam Sandler. So shouts to him for that. And Magnolia, <laughs> insane movie again on, especially family on that one. I feel like that was also like Paul Thomas Anderson, just being like, I'm going to make the movie I want to make. Oh, I'm, not, I'm not listening to any advice from anybody. Like this is just going to be insane. For sure. And we appreciate directors who do as the boss to that i mean i will say it is a little bit too long it's close to it's pushing three hours and actually just three hours just three hours and eight minutes but um even he went back and said that he wishes it was a little shorter but yeah i mean what he tells like three different storylines in it right (laughs) it was just a a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? An ambitious undertaking. Ambitious sure. undertake for sure. I I don't know if it's rewatchable. I do think there's some Tom Cruise I'd rewatch, but um, just, <laughs> I think it's just great acting on Transform Yourself. But uh, all in all, great, great, great picture. And uh, we t- we hit upon Punch Drunk Love. How do you feel about? And we hit on There Will Be Blood. Have you seen The Master? Yes. <laughs> Now that's an act. That's an incredible piece of acting. Yeah, and shoot, there's so much you could say about the master. Joaquin Phoenix, something Joaquin else. Joaquin Phoenix. Um, I can't even remember his name. Uh, oh my god. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Philip Seymour Hoffman, probably the best actor of the two thousand. The goat. 
seriously, we miss him dearly. And Amy Adams was incredible with that. I mean, she was in a very minor part in it, but she was <laughs> nothing just but so like captivating, captivating. Yeah. And again, I think that's one of his strengths. Paul Thomas Anderson is the acting he gets out of, out of um, the performances he gets out of his actors. And tell me about that. I mean, about pretty much an allegory to uh, to Scientology and all the uh, movie manipulation and um, how far and what you could change with people. Are you thinking something else? And yeah. uh, I'm afraid I haven't seen Inherit Vice yet, but I thought Phantom Fred, Phantom Fred was really good too. You saw that? I did. Um, I would highly recommend Inherit Vice. That is my favorite PTA film. Really? I heard it's pretty funny. Is it funny? It's comical. It's comical, serious. I should say. It's heavy. <laughs> it's dark. Um, yeah, it, it, he throws you into the world of this just kind of drugged up hippie private eye drugged up hippie private eye that's a and you know you're seeing the you know this world through his perspective and it's not exactly a reliable perspective so you're questioning everything mm-hmm. so the the film is almost forcing you into the position of a detective I, I mean, you that. have to analyze everything and you have to say, did that really happen? I mean, at mm-hmm. one point in the film, Joaquin Phoenix's character is at a whiteboard tracking all the events. Mm-hmm. And I actually think it's a genius shot because it's kind of what you have to do. I've I've seen the film, I want to say, eight or nine times. Okay. And every time I, I notice something more, I connect the dots better. Um, really just funky cast. Josh Brolin. Um, I love Josh Brolin. The main character in Sicario, or not the main character, but the, the bad guy in Sicario. It, or maybe not uh, the bad guy, the assassin. Benicio um, Del Toro. Benicio Del Toro's in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I see Owen Wilson. Else? Owen Wilson. That's I completely <laughs> forgot he was in that. Um, just, yeah, weird cast. They, and they mesh together so well. Yeah, it seems a very it seems it's a very art house film, which I I love. So I gotta check this out. You're right. I very. I want to say like I loved it because I just love the main character. You know, the first time I watched it, I just was observing Joaquin Phoenix's character Doc, mm-hmm. um, and it was just he was fascinating to me. Um, I think most people tend to say they don't like the film. Um, just because the plot is very, it's very hard to follow. Okay. Like I said, it makes you do the work of a detective. Well, I think that's awesome writing then. You know, some people just want it. I mean, every audience member is different. Maybe some people it's, just want to watch the movie with it. But, I definitely, uh, I'd say that it leans more toward being like along the lines of Magnolia than per se Boogie Nights as far as, you know, following it goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what's great about it. He does have all his screenplays are just so unique and uh, goes all over the place. So I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna definitely let you know how that goes because you know me, I watch anything in this world. So uh, okay. I have to complete with the fil- PTA filmography. So uh, um, I'll be hitting you up very soon with that. <laughs> yeah. So tell me, Rob, what are some other filmmakers you really, really are keen to and big fan of? Um, 
Stanley Kubrick, I love. The great Stanley Kubrick. It's hard, it's hard not to appreciate Kubrick. At least his films. Apparently, he was a total jerk in real life. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love Aronofsky. Darren Aronofsky. Um, there's a there's actually a New Zealand um, director. Um, shoot. Is it the key? Is it um? Taiti from from Jojo Rabbit and The Last of yeah. Us. I know yes. he he has a very hard name to pronounce, and I don't want to um botch it, but I will try anyways. <laughs> the incredible Takiti Taika Taika Watiti. Taika Waititi. That sounds right. I'm glad you did it and not me. <laughs> Taika Waikiki. What? What? Taika Waititi. Man, I would love to meet him, and I really apologize if he hears this. And I'm watching. <laughs> I'm just gonna pr- Google the pronunciation because it's gonna bother me. Because I, I I talk about I've talked about him a lot, and um, I like this the la- the um what we do in the shadows. I haven't seen that yet. I've been meaning to get to it. He's a he's an incredible talent. He directed. Um, he also directed the second Thor. Okay. Oh, I didn't know that. I actually yeah. had no clue of that. Here we go. Here is the pronunciation according to Google. After the ad is over. <laughs> of course, there's an ad like the worst possible time. Oh man. You can't skip it either, can you? Nope. <laughs> so. Taika Waititi. Oh, right, I almost got it. Taika Waititi. Taika Waititi. I just, well, seriously, I think... thank you to Taika Waititi and his impact he's made on Hollywood so far. He's becoming like my favorite director, like slowly. Ooh. I mean, I I compare him to Wes Anderson in a lot of ways. Oh yeah, you like Wes Anderson as well? Yeah, I haven't seen all his films. I, I'm dropping the ball with Wes Anderson, but. Every one of his films I've seen, I've loved. Oh, hell yeah. What are some of those movies you've liked from the Wes Anderson collection? Uh, Moonlight Kingdom or Moonrise Kingdom. Yeah, Moonrise Kingdom. Um, The Grand Budapest Motel. Oh, one of the Um, best movies of the tour. Isle of Dogs, which is his newer one. That was Yep, one of his animated with the great Brian Cranston. I'm blanking on the name of it. George Clooney is in it. It's animated. Fantastic Mr. Fox. Fantastic Mr. Fox. Very underrated animated movie. And I think that about sums it up for oh, his Oh, hell yeah. My favorite. One of my top 10 movies of all time is Rushmore, his second film effort, Ooh. which is great. Also, um, Bottle Rocket. If you could, his very first feature from '96, I would highly suggest. It's sweet. Those two movies are the are mo, the kind of the least Wes Anderson look. I mean, people okay. say Wes Anderson is his own genre, but that was he was still figuring out his voice, and then it all changed with the royal uh, with the Royal Tannenbaums. And I think I might have just watched Bottle Rocket. Oh man, it was Owen Wilson and Luke Wilson. Yes, and they're so they're like dope. The ro- robbers. Like, uh, robbers. Yeah. Oh, that was so Cold cross I, country. I really enjoyed it. Oh yeah. But yeah, I think it's like tone. Wes Anderson's kind of quirky humor that yeah. that also has depth. Like I mean that's pretty much 
That's all we need. Taika, Taika Waititi. Yes, Taika Waititi. Taika Waititi. I feel like he he like manages that same effect, like um, Eagle versus Shark. If you've seen that, I haven't seen that one yet. But it's my absolute favorite of his, The Hunt for the Wilder People. Ooh, it's just quirky, but it also like if you let it, it'll make you cry. And it's it's its own brand. Like you identify like this is I'm watching like. Taika Waititi film that's the best part and that's what's great about our tours and stuff like that and uh having that association I mean it's no wonder why he won best original screenplay he wrote something so so niche out of the way but yet it's just a beautiful story of uh Jojo yeah and Jojo Rabbit I mean someone said it best this is watch this movie like you've never seen Hitler before hilarious (laughs) I'm just like, <laughs> oh man. I mean, that <laughs> film, when it got, it was nominated for Best Picture. Am I misremembering that? I believe so. Yes, you're right on that. The fact that, like, honestly, I think that's one of the most controversial films I've ever seen. Yeah. And I've seen Clockwork Orange. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> but just the, like, I mean, you're thrown into this world, and the first thing you see in the film is this little boy, like, Kyle Hitlering. Yeah. That's <laughs> that's taboo and shit. But I think and I, was, I've gone back and forth on um his mother. What's that actress's Scarlett Johansson? I've gone back and forth on her. It's like, is she a good actor? Is she just hot? I <laughs> I think she's amazing. I mean, she won and a Tony. She won a Tony. She nailed it in that. Oh yeah, double Oscar nominee this year. She's won a Tony. Um. You know, she's great at the MCU. I think Scarlett Johansson is actually kind of underrated for her acting chops. Again, she's yeah. a Tony where she's I mean, um, on stage. Was it the Kylo Ren actor? Adam Driver. I love Adam Driver. What That's was that guy. film with, with her and Adam Driver? Marriage Story? Mar- that that film was crazy. Oh, crazy movie on divorce. And uh, I think. Both of those were great. And I'm a huge Noah Baumbach guy, so uh, he's awesome. Makes a lot of New York-based movies and stuff. You know what's funny about that? So it's essentially based on his first marriage with an actual actress, Noah Baumbach. And throughout the movie, his character is is pretty much based on him. They call him a genius often in the movie. They say, you're a genius. He's a genius. I just find that funny. I didn't know that. (laughs) <laughs> just the quirky things I know. A little Easter egg. Yeah. So, what are some of those controversial films? You mentioned the most. Con- Tell me some of the most controversial, out there, crazy movies you've ever seen. Clockwork Orange. We've seen. I actually saw that recently for the first time a few months ago. And damn, not a rewatchable. But I- yet. But not rewatchable in the sense of, oh, I could really, you know, let's watch a Clockwork Orange on a beautiful <laughs> Saturday afternoon with your wife. You don't necessarily yeah. pick that, but I, it's an insane movie on control you, and stuff. You have to go into that film with the intention of really dissecting, like, humanity's worst problems. I mean, yeah, very much there, so. There are two, not one, but two detailed depictions of rape. Yeah. <laughs> Not, 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 not fun to watch at all. And like, yeah, it's just the main character is just basically going on a evil sin rampage. And at yeah. the end of the film, you feel bad for him. Like you actually like feel sorrow for him. 
And I don't, I don't know to this day. I mean, that maybe not everyone feels that way. Um, but more than a couple of people have told me that they also are just like when they're brainwashing him into like hating his favorite musician, which yep. was Bach. I felt genuine sorrow for this man. And so I you watched just him. You find him as a legitimate anti-hero, Alex Gibney? No, because at the end of the film, he's just, he's still his evil self, you know, mm. willing to murder, willing to steal, willing to rape. You know, he doesn't change. An anti-hero requires legitimate change. I mean, the most, I think for our generation, probably one of the most obvious examples I can give is like Zuko from Avatar. Right. At the end of the show, he is a completely different character who has transitioned. Yeah, by the way, I got the name. It's not Alex Gibney. It's Alex. He's just Alex in the movie. Okay. But I just want to make that clear. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, again, not a rewatchable. I think if you're into movies, you do have to watch it because it does, you know, it's a movie on psychiatry and a lot of social political subjects. And they, uh, as you said, it's the worst of humanity and exactly what we do not want to repeat. But, yeah. um you know, staying on the Kubrick side and more of his, you know, not depressing movies to watch. Um, you know what? I know something hot take. I really do not like 2001 A Space Odyssey. That's probably why one movie I don't like that everyone likes. I think it's boring. I think it drags. I mean, of course, there's some amazing special effects for the time and now, but it's just not for me. How, how do you, it, how do you goes, it, it goes on forever. Um, yeah. I think it sets the stage and gives us sci-fi as we know it today. Yeah, no, no, very much so. It's very influential, and I understand its impact. And it's like I like its commentary on man, but I just the movie's just boring to me. It's almost like what I would say the Beatles are to music, and this is a controversial opinion I hold. So a lot of people, what is that? It's that the Beatles are just basic, but I respect them because they they set music going in a direction music would not be what it is today if not for the Beatles sci-fi would barely exist I mean I suppose you could always make the argument that something else would have come along and and set that bar but we Um, never know though so we have to appreciate 2001 for making it possible 2001 Space Odyssey made it made sci-fi what it is today Absolutely. So that's why I respect it. I just, <laughs> and we see those monoliths making a comeback, huh? Yes, we do. <laughs> All over the country. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's something else. Now, my, my now a Kubrick movie I absolutely love. There's two I absolutely love. I love The Shining. Mm. My true favorite horror movie. My, my, I would say when someone asks me what's your favorite horror movie, I usually say Get Out. But I understand that's probably more of a thriller. But if you're talking about Get genuine, Out, you can genuinely make comparisons between oh, Get yeah. Out and um, The Shining. It's actually really interesting. Really, I um, I I, told, I can see where you're saying. I never put that thought in my head, but that does make sense when you're saying it. What do you think of The Shining? All the that talk about Easter eggs and the do you believe in the conspiracies and the subliminal messages and stuff? Now that movie is so hyped to be scary as hell. It's not necessarily <laughs> scary per se, but it's just so suspenseful and tense, which is the point of the horror movie, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely you know Jack and 
Nicholson at his top. Oh, I love that guy. I love Jack Nicholson a lot. At his absolute best. Um, I think I typically like horror films that are along those lines. They're not your what people think of when they think horror film. They either think slasher or jump scare or supernatural right. type stuff. And that's so this is a film about a care uh, a family going insane together. Yep. And to me, that's more genuinely terrifying than I don't know some demonic creature Someone attacking just... the depths of another universe. <laughs> yeah, we don't need it. We want the scary part of the human beings, which is you know, sadly could be true. And um, I think The Shining really is Bob that and Jack Nicholson with a hell of a performance. And wow, 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 wow. And uh, any more thoughts on The Shining before we talk about my other Kubrick one I absolutely love? Here's Johnny. <laughs> we got a soundbite out of that one. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Now, my other Kubrick movie I f- absolutely love, Full Metal Jacket. That's that's one of my movies. Man, talk about all the underlying themes there. When I saw it the very first time, I saw it like in high school, like really late at night. <laughs> And I watched it. I thought it was a comedy. You know, we see Gomer, <laughs> we see Gomer Pot, we see Sergeant Gunnery, um, we see uh, Gunnery, Sergeant Gunnery Hartman, we see Gomer Pyle, the Joker, <laughs> Joker. And I thought it was a, I thought he was, it was a comedy. He was just making fun of how, how awful he is. And then when I, the most absurd, one of the most absurd 180 turns ever in film. Spoiler alert. When. He shoots his sergeant and then kills himself. I'm just like, wow. I felt, I remember taking a couple minutes and just think like, Jesus. Because it's not a comedy. I mean, what is it? It's the first scene of the movie. They're just buzzing their heads, right? That's the first scene. Right. From like, I mean, from the buzz cuts to the suicide, the murder-suicide, I could not stop laughing. Yeah, exactly. It was hilarious. <laughs> He's like, I mean, the, all, just all this stuff he says and assaulted, eat this donut and stuff like <laughs> that. I mean... And uh, I feel like this is pretty common knowledge, but for those of you who may not know, uh, the drill sergeant in the film is a real drill sergeant. Yeah. That it's all improv. Exactly. Like, <laughs> damn. I just love his old, his extreme close-up screaming at Gone Pile and then... Just oh my god! Like that was the cre- one of the creepiest deaths I ever saw, and it's pretty graphic. And he has the typical Kubrick stare. If you you know the typical Kubrick scare, the Kubrick stare, which simplifies that a character is about to go insane. And uh, yeah. about that, it, it is two movies in one. And apparently, like not not to dip in the movie, that actually apparently was a tr- real thing that happened. That's based on a real event of a in the Vietnam. The one of the sergeants couldn't take it anymore, and he killed, um, and he wound up killing his sergeant, which they they were trained back then to be killers, and well, it happened, and uh, yeah, well, I mean, shit, and then but the second it's really moving too house, and I really like the other Vietnam stuff, so some intense action scenes. So I mean, like, I um, I'd say it's one of betrayal. the. And maybe you agree or disagree, but I think it's one of the earliest films that went, that was, you know, popular to really explore mental health. 
Yeah, no, I very much think that, and and PTSD, and like that's that's exactly what happened, and uh, I, I completely agree with your take on that. And I mean, there's you know the typical drug use that you see in like Vietnam War films. I actually recently saw this. Um, I think I was having trouble sleeping one night. It was like one in the morning, and mm-hmm. I just was like googling random stuff, and it was just this this interview with. Uh, I can't even remember the guy's name, but he was a Vietnam vet. Mm-hmm. And he said that the first night he was there in Vietnam, um, in Vietnam, he was on guard. And one of the guys on guard with him lit a cigarette. It was dark at this point. So he lights a cigarette, smoking a cigarette. And the light from his cigarette gave his position away to a sniper. Oh, no. This is his first night in Vietnam. This guy gets his head blown off oh. by a sniper. And so he finishes his patrol and he goes into his bunks and he, he talks to one of the guys that was there for a while already. And he says, how, how do you guys cope with this? And the guy gives him, you know, a, a joint laced with mm. like opium. And so that's what he, he said every night from that night till the day he left, like months later, he was high on opium every single night. And that was how he got through it. Well, I mean, obviously I cannot say I've been in that person's shoes and we Hopefully true, I never will. Yes, we do appreciate all the men and women who are in our armed forces for that and the sacrifice we made. And especially when it comes to Vietnam War, we could debate all day whether that was justified to be there or not. But shit, like wow, those those men really had to go through that. I mean, I'm seeing someone get sniped like that and it just is so sad how vet, Vietnam vets in particular were treated once they came home. And I, th- I don't know if you ever seen Ken Bird's doc on Vietnam, but it, I haven't. it's really inspiring. It's probably my favorite documentary ever. And uh, I mean, it just shows the mistakes we've made on both sides. It really wasn't, um, it really was a lost I know the United States considers it a loss, but it really was a loss for them, for the Vietnamese as well, both the VC and, and, um, South Vietnam side. And it's just, so it's insane what happened that time and what we went through just to fight ideologies really. So that was Ken Burns. Ken Burns. Ken Burns. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. You'll really like it a lot. I think I'd love to hear your opinion on it. And, uh, we, it's, it's honest portrayal of, they, they both talk to both sides, no historians, just people who were directly involved in the armed forces for both the United States, Viet Cong, and um, South Vietnamese. So, some time, man. And, but, hey, there's some quite some stories that came out of it, and Full Metal Jagged is something else. I think it was a real honest portrayal. Yeah. Have, um, have you seen Dr. Strangelove? I have seen Dr. Strangelove. I do think I like it. You know, I think um, <laughs> talk about, you know... I think that may be his most underrated film. Really underrated film. Why do you say that? I I hadn't heard of it. And oh, so so basically, like how I got into film was pretty much like toward the end of my junior year of college into my senior year. How about that? And I just started working through directors, essentially. (laughs) Yeah, I I kind of I pretty much started with Aronofsky. That's a great decision. And so That's I went great, from Aronofsky um, to Kubrick. And I got to Dr. Strangelove and I was like, I have never heard of this film. Yeah, like... What is this? And I was just... 
it was hysterical. I mean, it's just a commentary making fun of like it's just pure Kubrick shitting on the whole Cold War mm-hmm. fear of the atom bomb. Like all these people are freaking out about the Cold War and the nuke, and for <laughs> what? It's like, exactly, and for what? How about Peter Sellers? Three, he did three roles in that film, killed them all. <laughs> that was crazy. Oh man. I liked. I did like Doctor Strange. Love hilarious movie. Hilarious and like you said, a big hullabaloo. Even though at the end they wound up getting blown up anyways. <laughs> you yeah. know the the original alternate ending. They were supposed to have a big food fight. I, I did not know that. There are stills. I don't know if it's available to actually watch the deleted scene. But you can look it up. There's pictures on Google Images and everything. Shoot, I have to check that out. <laughs> uh, Darren Aronofsky. I, I love Black Swan and The Wrestler, man. Oh, The Wrestler? That film breaks my heart. <laughs> it's, it's some movie based on, um, you know, not giving up on your dreams still, even after the fact, and um, being in different places and obsession. Those two really Randy, go hand in, in there. What was the main character in The Wrestlers? Randy the Ram Randy. Robinson. Was, do you know if he was, like, loosely based off of Hulk Hogan? He was loosely based off of Jake the Snake Roberts, if you know who that Jake is. Jake the Snake? I do not. I'm not, I'm not a big mm-hmm. wrestling guy. <laughs> but yeah, Jake the Snake Roberts, another guy strange from his daughter. I mean, kind of looks like shit, but hey, he still tried to wrestle. And then the wrestling industry, hey, we could see, if you're not the John Cena's, you're not the Stone Cold Steve Austin's, you're not the Rock's, it could be a really dark place to try, try to entertain people, you know, like yeah. wrestling in old meat factories instead of in high schools instead of Madison Square Garden it's something else for people trying to make a name for themselves in the wrestling industry you know yeah (laughs) the reason I brought up Hulk Hogan was because I actually I was pretty young I want to say like 9 or 10 but I saw him at a restaurant in Stanford no way the Hulk Hogan talk about I think at that point, I literally, like, my dad explained to me who Hulk Hogan was because I, I didn't know. And I swear this guy's arms were, like, the size of my body. <laughs> my dad was like, hey, that's Hulk Hogan. We're not going to bother him, but he's a really famous wrestler. <laughs> oh, you didn't want to talk and say, hey, brother. Hey, Bob. <laughs> We, he just kind of figured like he probably gets that all the time and he's trying to have a right. nice meal. No, I definitely hear you there. <laughs> Do you remember the name of the restaurant? Oh, shoot. It was like right off of, would it be exit eight? Mm. If you're getting off of 95. Yeah, I mean, WWE headquarters are in um, Stanford, so it makes sense that he was there. Yeah, I can't remember where it was. It was mm-hmm. some place for lunch. I remember I was working with my dad that day. He was, he's a plumber, and I was just, I was, he had some extra work that he needed to get done that set, like on a Saturday. And we went there for lunch after we finished. And how about man, that? It was like, oh, it's Hulk Hogan. What the heck. <laughs> you ever meet any other famous? You ever actually meet any celebrities? Actually, one other time, and. Yeah, I was. Uh, I was actually when I was coming home from Papua New Guinea. Um, I was in a airport in Australia, like on a layover. Australia, okay. And I didn't recognize him at first, but Jason Momoa walks right past me, and like <laughs> we were going through the door at the same time, and so I was like, "You look familiar." 
I literally said, said that, that to him. I was like, <laughs> you look familiar. And he was like, he just said, cool, bro. And he went and sat down. And then I was sitting at the table right next to him. And me and my friends were playing a card game. And his kids start watching us play the card game. Jason Momoa's kid. Jason Momoa's kids, they're watching us play the game and, and asking us about the game. And so... So I see his kids and I recognized his kids before I recognized him, which sounds really weird, but it's that Carhartt commercial. He's in this Carhartt commercial Mm -hmm. wearing like the pants and he's like, he's uh, Jason Momoa does this like monologue where he's like, I remember growing up, all I ever wanted to be was a father. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't do it without these Carhartt pants. He doesn't say that exactly, but it's just like over-dramatized Carhartt commercial. And I remember his kids were in it, and he talks about being a father. So I see his kids, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. I just told Jason Momoa that he looks familiar. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and so to, I tried to, like, make up for it, and I was like – uh, I'm a big climber. I love climbing. I do it like that's like probably my biggest like hobby and pastime. And one of my favorite climbers, Chris Sharma, Jason Momoa actually climbs with him. Um, no way. And so I was like, I was like, Jason, teach me how to climb like you. And he just kind of chuckled and like went on his day. But it was just like, I was, <laughs> I really like, he probably was so annoyed. Like he's just in an airport, which is already first world problems tends to be annoying enough. Right. Um, but then this kid is just like, you look familiar. And he's like, okay. Cool. Yeah. You but know what, who I am. <laughs> but what was nice is, uh, he's probably happy. He didn't bombard him about a movie he was in or, or yeah. like, you talked about actual rock climbing, genuine interest, but that was where I originally heard of him. When I first saw him in a film, when I first saw him in game of Thrones, yeah. I was like, that guy climbs with Chris Sharma. So mm-hmm. I kind of like, he's not even, I mean, he, he's actually really good at climbing too. Like, yeah. He's pretty legit hunting. and he has some <laughs> Adonis body. So yeah, I just remember being like, whoa, that guy climbs with Chris Sharma. Now he's called Drogo in game of Thrones and Jason. I was just like, cool. How about that? So How I actually knew him as a climber before I knew he acted. No way. That's beautiful. So yeah. So it's, there was Jason Momoa and Hulk Hogan. Any other no, great Jason, interactions? Jason, Those are some great ones though. I Jason love Jason and Hulk. I wonder if, uh, you know, you get Hulk in his prime and you have Jason Momoa and Hulk Hogan fight who would win. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, that would be an interesting battle of the ages. I mean, Hulk Hogan doesn't lose and he did take down Andre the Giant back in the day. So <laughs> tell me about it, man. Tell me about it. So um, now that that's inc- that that. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. And uh, yeah, really, is, I don't, I don't see celebrities a lot. So, <laughs> <laughs> is there any other um, movie directors that we missed out that you really attuned to? Your Scorsese fan, Spike Lee, Catherine Bigelow. Any, any other ones we missing besides you continuing to see the great movies of our of our world? I mean, Tarantino. Tarantino, Dan, of course. Quentin Tarantino. Yep. Um, you excited for Dune? You know, I don't know. <laughs> Is he directing a, a Doom film? Yeah, he's doing a whole reboot. Timothy Chalamet, Josh Brolin, gonna okay, see if they could do justice to the '80s cult. Well, because I, I remember seeing like a not a trailer, but like a poster almost. Yeah. 
Um, I didn't I look like at that. who was directing it. I wonder if that would have caught my eye better. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, this is your boy Dennis Villan. I know he's a unique, another hard last name. Villan, Dennis Villanueva. Uh, I, I always yeah. feel like I say it wrong. <laughs> but hey, probably the one of the best directors from this past decade. So, um, oh man, and, and is there any shows you're really getting in? You've been getting into. You mentioned Game of Thrones. I know you actually read the actual Game of Thrones novels. So yeah, I was reading those in high school. During, so you during you were the that. you were the true you were the original OG fan. I know the show came out twenty thirteen was the first season, but you were a true I, Game of Thrones guy. I watched the pilot and then I said no. This these are books. I am not <laughs> watching it first. And so I, I started reading the books. Actually Tabitha Goulart gave them to me pretty much. No way. You guys started at all, huh? You guys <laughs> yeah. are the true ones. <laughs> Um, How did you feel about the ending of Game of Thrones? Were you disappointed by the finale? Uh, if if the author ever finishes the books, I hope it goes differently. Mm. Um, I just felt like all the characters got flat. Not only did they get flat, but they started acting contrary to who they were. Um, yeah, I think that's from TV. That's all from the TV writers. Which I mean, character one. is like huge for me. I, I could watch the crappiest show in the world, and if it has a captivating main character, you know, the plot could suck. All the other actors could suck, but that main character, if if that's a, you know, compelling character, I'll stick with it. <laughs> We appreciate people who like you sticking with that. And is <laughs> is um who did you want to see win the Game of Thrones? The throne. I like Tyrion Lannister. Yeah, like either that. either Tyrion Lannister or Jon Snow. I I'm a I'm a, got a soft spot for Jon Snow. I don't. Mm-hmm. And he's he's way better in the books too. So that was part really? of it. <laughs> How about that? So, Rob, we've been at it for almost an hour and a half, killing it. I've been enjoying this time. Um, There's just one more thing I want to do before we say goodbye. And that is the Proust Questionnaire, which is a just series of very deep questions. Rapid fire, but deep questions. Okay. And uh, I'm really intrigued with your answers on these, Rob. So uh, first things first, Rob, what is your favorite word? Oh, my favorite word. That is something I don't think about very often. <laughs> I feel like if you go by amount of times that I say it, I would. it's probably the word true. True. Like I probably, like I say it to agree, I say it to affirm. I just use the word true a lot. Um, Beautiful. I've always liked the way the word indubitably sounds. Indubitably. 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 Which just means indeed. <laughs> well, do you want to go out tonight? Indubitably. I am so using that. No. So, <laughs> what is your least favorite word, Rob? Uh, um, gonna. Gonna. <laughs> and I, I say it all the time. I, I say G-O-N-N-N-A. it all the time. I text it. Uh, I just, and it's just, it's just so lazy. And what you bleh. gonna do about it? <laughs> but I, I do it all the time. What you gonna do about it, Rob? Oh, that was too easy. I've even fallen mm-hmm. into the habit of saying, I'm a, I'm a go to the store. I'm a B, I'm a B, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a B. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what turns you on in this world, Rob? 
Hmm. Pretty much seeing people in just stepping up, you know, being the action force in their lives. How about that? I like that. I love I love seeing people be the best person Ambition. they can be. It's a you know, it's just the the inert thing, you know, I have something to prove. I like seeing that. people with that drive. I love ambition a lot. That's probably my favorite word and all those things. So we really agree on that. Um, what turns you off in this world? Kind of uh, the opposite end of that is just passivity. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely tend to to catch myself living in more fear and anxiety than I'd like and, and just staying still. I like that. I like. I like. You don't want. Somebody turns me off. I want. I want movement. I want action. I like that you aren't contempt. You want to move. Uh, number five. What sound or noise do you love? Sound or noise. Hmm. That's a really good question. Maybe. Maybe a baby's giggling. He's giggling. All right. All right. Number six. What sound or noise do you hate? Um. <laughs> Excuse me. Choking over my own breath or something. Um. Hmm. Okay. Right now I have really annoying loud neighbors. <laughs> Ooh. So I don't know. Like that kid we were talking about, you have to stand your ground. I don't know if uh, they're just really clueless or just really inconsiderate, but they're always playing with their, like, puppy. Like, all hours of the night. Mama Mia. Well, we do not so like we have our a, neighbors. We have a stick around that we, we bang on, on the floor or on the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we do not like your neighbors on that one, man. Normally, I like dogs playing, the sound of dogs playing, but not this time. (laughs) Damn you, Rob's neighbors. (laughs) All right. What is your favorite curse word? Shit. (laughs) Shit. Number eight. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? That's a, I've never thought of that. Hmm. I guess, uh, you know, what I went to school for was, you know, to do kind of church ministry stuff. So that uh, I ended up procuring a foolish amount of debt, not, you know, below like the average amount that they say is the average, but still too much for that career to, to reasonably pay for. So, but yeah, yeah man, the, it's, it's never too late. Yeah. Maybe one day. Heck, I, I think at this point, my kind of philosophy on it has kind of changed too, where I'd rather just work full time as an electrician and be able to just volunteer at churches and rather than, you know, they could use their money for, you know, people in need or, whatever else and not have to pay me. (laughs) Right, right. I hear you on that, brother. Uh, Tell me, number nine, what profession would you not like to do? 
janitor or like garbage man mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just seemed very un like I'm sure there are people out there that really enjoy doing that, but it's not for me. All right. But mad, mad, mad respect. Mad respect to the garbage men out there. For sure. We appreciate anybody who helps make this world, make our world better. And number 10, if heaven exists, Rob, what would you like to hear God say to you when you arrive at the pearly gates? Ooh. Welcome home, I guess. <laughs> Beautiful. Without the I guess, just just welcome home. <laughs> <laughs> well, He's like, oh, I, I guess you're here. Sure, come in. <laughs> <laughs> nice and open arms, man. Well, Rob, it's been nothing but a pleasure. I really enjoyed catching up with you. I really like the things we've talked about, especially all our movie stuff, our, um, what we've been up to, the differences between the Midwest and the tri-state area. It's been an absolute pleasure, Rob. And uh, before we say goodbye, is there anything else you want to say before we uh, bid you a for do? Well, thanks for having me on. <laughs> uh, I'm really enjoying the podcast. Keep it up. Keep on pursuing those those dreams and... Heck yeah, dude. Well, that means a lot to me, to me, Rob. Thank you so much. I hope one day in the near future in a COVID-free world, I can see you again in person. I would love to get to know your wife and uh, see and uh, all of us hang out. And uh, like, you know what I mean by that? Like, I don't mean get to know your wife. You know what I mean, right? <laughs> I would never have interpreted it that way. <laughs> <laughs> Just making sure you know how crazy people interpret things, you know? Yeah. But seriously, though, I would I would love to for all of us to hang out, love to catch up with besides the mics and um Let's keep staying in touch. I'm sure I'll see you before you know it. And I would love you to come back on one day if you'd like. Okay. We should, uh, we should try to do like a a Norwalk high school reunion, like podcast or zoom call. (laughs) I am not opposed to that. We will see in the near future with that. But seriously, Rob, you have a lot of my respect. As I said, you're I'm a big fan of you. And seriously, man, you are one incredible human being. And I hope oh, I can you. see you really, really soon. Thank you so much for coming on. And um, you're the man, Rob. You are simply the man. With that, that's the incredible Rob Duncan. And again, I will see you really, really soon, my friend. I hope you have a great night. And again, stay awesome. All right, you too. And there you have it, folks. Rob Duncan bringing the noise. Great job, Rob. I loved your talk. I loved catching up with you. I loved how insightful you are. I loved so many things clearly. So good job, Rob. And with that, next time I'm on this show, I will be 26 years old, but my mind is older. So as we celebrate me getting older and celebrate me being able to now buy my own health insurance, but most importantly, just celebrating the awesome people in my life because I'm nothing without the awesome people in my life, which includes my amazing listeners and fans. And it also includes my amazing family and my real friends in this world. Seriously, it's a birthday. It might be my birthday, but it's more about the people in my life who got me to this place. And I'm very thankful, very, very thankful to the Lord for giving me 26 years. And hopefully we get stronger grow a lot more and uh, we become a better person in this year so with that i will see you all on new year's eve
December 31st. And who do I have? A birthday we're going to celebrate. This guest is phenomenal. This guest is something else. This guest is a true legend. You guys are going to be laughing your ass off. You will be... Feeling so many emotions. I mean, feeling the feel. You're going to learn a lot and you're going to be entertained. The reason why we will be feeling all these feels is because we have the incredible Ryan McDickian on the podcast this Thursday, December 31st. Oh, Lord, it's going to be insane. Seriously, I am so excited to show it off. It is nothing but a great time. But with that... We'll see you all on Thursday. Check out the Tweet Cap every Friday on all podcasting platforms. Check out the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasting platforms and YouTube. And again, I thank you all. I appreciate you all. And I will see you this Thursday on my birthday. So long, everybody. Ryan back Dickie in on Thursday. And thanks again to my amazing guest, Rob Duncan. Until then, my name is Matt Brown. Good night. Good luck. Be safe, be responsible, and do the right thing. So long, guys. Peace. You still here? It's over. Go home. Go!